Good afternoon, everyone. You guys don't know how many times I tried to record this episode. Yesterday, I was supposed to record an episode with my friend, but I, I spent more time trying to figure out how to record two microphones at once, and by the time we started recording the episode, which was only 15 to 18 minutes worth of a recording, um... We both were just not feeling it, and it took like two hours to try and figure it out. But the purpose of yesterday's episode was to bring on my lovely and beautiful friend, Travis, and we were going to drink matcha and just talk and have a great time. But yeah, it just wasn't meant to happen yesterday. And then this morning, I was like, okay, I have a new idea for episode three. I planned this episode last night, (laughs) and I was like, okay, I'm just going to record it in the morning. There was so much going on this morning. Um, I had a hair appointment, and then I tried to come back and record this episode after my appointment. There was too much going on and what I mean it was just really noisy and like you could hear my mom shouting not shouting but like yelling from my sister and I was like I can't record but here we are it's 5 50 fucking 8 Thursday this episode goes live tomorrow so this is going to be more lighthearted and fun <laughs> but anyways Today I am going to talk about a few things, so I will list three writers that encouraged me to become a writer, and I am adding bonus content after that conversation, and I will talk about where I will be talking about my own book of poetry and bonus bonus content I will be talking about my recent EP that I had released in March of this year March March this year so very excited to just be laying down right now and recording this episode so enjoy so the first writer that inspired me to write was Edgar Allan Poe. I know that might sound cliche, but I promise you it is not going, I'm not going to give you a cliche answer. So around the time that I read Edgar Allan Poe, I was in eighth grade. And I remember we read The Telltale Heart in Language Arts. Previously, I had known about Edgar Allan Poe and I read Annabelle Lee Nevermore and The Raven and he was so refreshing because you had been given the assignment of either reading something related to William Shakespeare whether that was his sonnets or A Midsummer Night's Dream which we ended up reading in eighth grade as well or Romeo and Juliet, and then later on Hamlet or Othello. We never got into Othello by the time I was in high school, but we were still on Ed, uh, William Shakespeare. So Edgar Allan Poe was a refreshing change from William Shakespeare's tragedies because it almost felt predictable, William Shakespeare's um, stories. Not stories, but his plays. Great writing. I still do believe that William Shakespeare had a ghostwriter. I mean, it makes so much sense. I mean, it's possible. I don't doubt that that is true. But if it isn't, sorry, William. Anyways, um, Edgar Allan Poe wrote differently, obviously, because all writers, not all writers, most writers of that time wrote similarly, but in their own way still, but they wrote about similar topics, at least in my opinion, because you could be listening listening to me say this right now, and you're like, actually, no. But um, that's just my opinion. I think that there was a similarity amongst a lot of the writers of that time, but Edgar Allan Poe wrote about subjects that had already been written about, but he went under the surface, and he went deep. And I loved his melancholic, mysterious, and brooding tone of his 
work i liked that was the mood or moods that i got from edgar Allan poe and i didn't realize this but i too felt melancholic and i hadn't been able to place or give what i felt so often a name and i'm not saying i was sad all of the time but there were moments of just intense sadness that I felt and there was something in me that wanted to release that somehow but I couldn't find a place to channel that melancholy. So when I read Edgar Allan Poe and I'm trying, I think it was Annabelle Lee where I felt understood and how I was somehow able to relate to his grief and the severe loss that he went through. I hadn't lost anybody at that time. I mean, my grandmother, but that was like years before this. I somehow was able to relate to his pain and that felt comforting. It's not that I wasn't able to relate to William Shakespeare, but Edgar Allan Poe, captured melancholy beautifully and it's not like he constantly wrote like that he wrote out of a place of well yes he was high on opium all the fucking time i know this but even in his pain or his fury or his fear or obsession lust desire or love i somehow was able to register exactly what he was feeling and i could envision how he might have written it at that time but William Shakespeare uh, my god no <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe was one of the first writers that gave me oh my god you can hear the birds flying past it's so sweet Edgar Allan Poe became one of the first writers for me that taught me how to place or how to channel my emotions into a piece of literary work, whether I wrote a poem or an entry-like poem or a or prose, he taught me how to do that. But then again, I wasn't confident in my writing at that time. And I became more confident after I began to read different poets. And going on to the second writer, who ultimately gave me enough confidence to um, begin writing or develop my writing was Pablo Neruda. I hadn't read anything of his in school. So, right, um, I remember eighth grade, it was Edgar Allan Poe, and then freshman year, I was at my high school for only the first semester of the term. And then I left after that first semester to be homeschooled. Again, in eighth grade, we read A Midsummer Night's Dream. Wait, no, we didn't. We uh, read Romeo and Juliet, and then we saw the 1960-something version film of that play, which I love. But um, again, we read William Shakespeare, and I was a little annoyed because I was like, really, we're doing this motherfucker again? But all respect, <laughs> it was... It was still fun to read, but I was like, I know what to expect because I've heard about Romeo and, Romeo and Juliet my whole fucking life. Anyways, um, I think it was ninth grade or maybe sophomore year, but around that, around those two years, um, the English teacher that I had, um, we had a poetry unit for this class, and I was super stoked about that because I was like, oh my god, we've never done this really in pub I never got well I didn't have a teacher that would do poetry because it was always a sonnet which is considered poetry I know but it's that's different or it would be a novel or a short story but we never got to do poetry and I was like oh my fucking whatever but um we had to I think the right word is digest one of Pablo Neruda's poems and explain the different themes and what each stanza meant. So it was tonight I can write the saddest lines. It's something like that. And I was like, oh my God, 
that was one of the most beautiful poems I've read in a while. So that made me want to read more from Pablo Neruda. And so eventually I went to Barnes and Nobles and I found Pablo Neruda and like the poetry, drama, literary criticism um, shelf. Sorry, I accidentally hit my laptop. Um, and I bought um, five decades poems from 1925 to 1970. So it's a compilation of Pablo Neruda's poems from that, from that time that I just specified. And I did not put it down. I did not put that book down. And I remember when I read it, it was spring and summer of 2020. So everybody, you know, was either still inside or getting ready to go back out again and um things were opening up but I luckily live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of nature so I was always reading on the grass or trying to write a poem whilst we had that time to ourselves but whatever when everything was opening up again um I was reading that book and I felt so entranced by the way he wrote about passion lust desire and he even had a few active I guess the best way to say it's like activist poems because he was born in Chile but he was also the senator for his country and I found that so funny because I'm like this dude is in the government well he's in politics he's a governmental figure who on the side writes poems about his life too and I was like, if I were to ever do, if I, me, <laughs> essentially, sorry, I just found that really cool. And I was like, Pablo, you and I are going to get along just fucking fine. <laughs> so, um, there is one poem that I can think off the top of my head that I really, really liked be just because of, um, how he described this topic that is always discussed in poetry but in his way of writing it was both direct but metaphorical I don't know how to describe it it was just magic all I'm gonna say the name of the poem is called semen like you're gonna obviously understand what that poem is going to refer to and when I read that I was one a bit shocked because I hadn't seen poetry so direct before. Um, usually the poetry that I was reading at the time, yes, I did read Tumblr poetry because Milk and Honey was fucking huge beforehand. Like, I, I think I found Milk and Honey in like 2016 and I was like, oh, what's this? I first saw a few of her poems on Tumblr and I was like, oh, that looks fun. I want to get into poetry. So she's a huge best-selling author so maybe I should read it and I read it and I was shocked that poetry could be written like that in the way that Milk and Honey was written but honestly after I read Pablo Neruda I was like that is a stark difference I like how Pablo writes I like the old timers I like how they're I love how creative this feels it feels refreshing so I had read poems that were direct in Milk and Honey and then other authors that are kind of in the same realm as Rupi Kaur, Kaur. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I feel horrible, but you know who I'm talking about. And I read their works, and it was cool, but it felt the same, and it felt repetitive. Um, and I wanted something stronger. And like I've mentioned already before, just Paulo Neruda was, became that for me. And I was just... Like, oh my god, I want to be able to write about a situation like this or a situation like that in the way that Pablo Neruda can write about it. Not in the same exact way. What I mean is I can allude to a specific feeling or person or memory without being direct and without being direct in what I am yearning for, what I am trying to achieve in this poem, or in retelling of the story or the experience, if that makes sense. And reading that whole collection of Pablo Neruda's poetry was 
a great way and a great place for me to start. So I owe a lot to Pablo Neruda because around the time that I read him, I mean, and I mean in my age, I was, oh my god, how old was I? I was 17 turning 18, and I think it was a perfect time to kind of read poetry like that because I didn't want my poetry to sound like it was written by an 18-year-old. I wanted it to sound like... Well, no, I don't mean it like that. I just mean that I didn't want my poetry to sound youthful because I felt youthful in some romantic experiences that I had at the time. And I'm just giving you an example of some of the poetry that I write about. I don't just write about romantic experiences. I write about everything. But at that time, I didn't want to feel amateur. I wanted to feel matured and um I'm trying to find the right word to describe how, how I wanted I didn't want I wanted to feel matured that's the best way to say it so I studied that book front to back I, I think like twice and even when I went to college I brought that book with me because I'm like you're my muse for a lot of my poetry and I'm going to keep you close to me sort of thing but I'd say that Pablo Neruda was definitely the writer who fueled me and my creative energy, if that makes sense. Um, now moving on to the third writer, <clears throat> who um, isn't so much, like he wrote poetry, but he is mostly known for these two plays and a letter which I don't know if this letter became a novel or just became fam inf famous, but accidentally famous. But this last author is Oscar Wilde. And also, when I was homeschooled, what I loved about my English teachers and the English course in general was we weren't reading, oh, William Shakespeare. Like, I know I keep bringing him up, but he's so fucking common <laughs> in English classes, which, yeah, I get. He has paved the way for a lot of writers in this world, which is fucking cool. But like I said, ghostwriter. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is it was nice to have variety in these English classes. And we were going, we were assigned to read The Importance of Being Earnest, which is a satirical play. And then I read that. And I bought my own copy of it because I loved it so much and it genuinely made me laugh. I was like, Oscar Wilde is a funny motherfucker, but also I feel like he's a friend of mine. I feel like I know him. It's the best way to describe that is me, my personal experience. When I read a good book or a good poem, I have this attachment with the author it feels like a friendship. It feels like an understanding. And they become my muse. I have so many different muses when it comes to both songwriting and writing a book or a few, or like, you know, poems. I have different muses. None of them are the same. But Oscar Wilde is my muse in the, one of my muses in the sense that I always go either to him Pablo, or Pablo Neruda, it's like I consult them in reading their work over again and saying, I know I read this, what did I miss that I can um, see this next time I read it? It's like, it's kind of like consulting a friend, if that makes sense. When I read, I ended, okay, so like, I ended up reading The Picture of Dorian Gray a little bit later, and I fell in love with that. But the letter that I was talking about that became accidentally famous was De Profundis, which, um, if you don't know the story, or if you don't really know Oscar Wilde, he was gay. And um, that was illegal during the time that he was alive. So he was married, and he did end up having, I think, two sons. But... Um, he was 38, 39, and he had an affair with this young man who was around 21, 22. I think he went to, oh, uh, what? He was, he either went to Oxford or Cambridge, but his name was Lord Alfred Douglas. And 
Lord Alfred Douglas and Oscar Wilde had an affair, and there, but I, in like what I had researched and what I read, it was a tumultuous sort of affair towards the end, and um, some I think somehow that situation was suspicious became suspicious to the people around Oscar and Lord Alfred Douglas and um I can't remember I think he might have gotten caught or there was suspicion and Oscar Wilde went to court and Lord Alfred Douglas was supposed to show up but I don't think he did so they ended up sending Oscar Wilde to goal which is a prison and he came out with the reading of goal or gal I don't know how to pronounce it which was his experience Oscar Wilde's experience in prison but um why De Profundis is so famous is it was actually a letter to Lord Alfred Douglas and none of it was specific it wasn't specific or direct but obviously they knew that Oscar Wilde was alluding to a man that he had an affair with and when the picture of Dorian Gray was published, they accused it of being homoerotic, which it is kind of is. That was the whole point of why Oscar Wilde wrote it in the way that he did. But yeah, anyways, Oscar Wilde became a muse of mine because of how he wrote. And when I read Okay, so when I read, reread Oscar Wilde's work, I always read it during spring and the beginning of summer. I can't read his work. I can't read The Picture of Dorian Gray or The Importance of Being Earnest when it's winter or fall because I can't resonate with it during those seasons. But during spring, all of spring and early summer, that's when I read his work because his work feels like that to me it feels like it feels warm it feels floral citrusy and it feels like a summer day or spring morning and going back to the two previous writers Pablo Neruda I read during the summer the like July because his poetry feels like that to me his poetry reminds me of red wine and the sunset but instead of being at like the beach watching the sunset it's like a garden it's in grass it's a warm afternoon and evening if that makes sense um and Edgar Allan Poe obviously is winter just because of that melancholic sort of tone he has and it's gloomy and it just matches with that season right I mean at least to me I mean that could be different you never know somebody could be reading fucking Edgar Allan Poe on in like spring but who knows but anyways, um, yeah, Oscar Wilde just is my spring and summer inspiration. So, wow, that's this is probably going to be like a shorter episode than my first one and my second one. But yeah, um, there's not much else to say about these three writers because they all have a common similarity and it's just I refer to them when I need them for a specific energy or tone that I am trying to achieve in a poem or a lyric so when I am experiencing intense passion or desire I read Pablo Neruda when I am in the depths of grief <laughs> I refer to Edgar Allan Poe when I'm happy I read Oscar Wilde when I feel like I am blooming and evolving and when I feel new love around the corner or something good coming I read Oscar Wilde they all feel like old friends of mine and I feel like I've known them for years which essentially like in the time span that Okay, the first time I read them up to now, it's been a few years, yes, but it feels like it feels like they've always known me, and I've always known them. That's what it, it's like to read these writers' works. That's what it feels like for me. But moving on to the bonus content, which 
Should I even consider a bonus content right now? Maybe. Um, yeah. So I'm going to talk about my book that I released in March 2022, which is called From My Heart to Yours, um, Poetry and Prose. So I had started writing poetry confidently when I was mm, 16 and then 17 as well. By the time I was 18, I had wanted to release a book of poetry. So I had actually at 18, I was already working on it in the in its infancy, in the very beginning stages of compiling the poems. Um, at 17, I had sent I had sent it to my publisher and she's like, these all sound really good. Is this these all sound really good. Just let me know if you want to do anything else. And well, no, she's like, these all sound great. I'm going to get you in contact with an illustrator. So she got me in contact with an illustrator and I went on Pinterest and found like reference photos for the, um, for the illustrations. And so the illustrator started working on it and it took a few weeks and I was waiting in those few weeks. I thought I was sure that first draft of the book was what I wanted. And I felt something. I was like, Ooh, I need to look back at my manuscripts. And so I texted my publisher and I said, is it okay if I edit some of these poems? She goes, you can do whatever you want. Take as much time as you need to edit them. And so I immediately went back into the first draft of the manuscript and I changed it all. I changed everything. A lot of these poems were written when I was 16. And around that time, I had already written a little bit before but 16 was when I started to practice. No matter how cringy they <laughs> sounded or cliche or repetitive or even bad, I was like, oh my God, just looking back at it, I don't like shame myself for writing horribly in the beginning because that's, that's just how you learn. You learn from your previous, I guess, um, attempts and you're like, okay, I didn't like that, but I can make it sound better now because I have the tools and the confidence to make it a better poem. So I went back and I edited a lot of the poems. I kept a few that were from the first original draft, but then I changed everything. And then in that time, I kept writing po new poems for um, the book. And so if you have the book which if you don't, you can order it on Amazon or um, Barnes and Nobles online and they can deliver it and ship it to you with Lerv. Um, they, or not they, um, if you have read it, if you, yeah, the, the way that that book is compiled that I kept after having edited the poems and changed them all, that was like what I felt comfortable and confident with. And in the process of writing that book, I, um, the best way to say it is I purposely held back on certain poems in the sense that I divulged a lot in this first book. And it, it's not about a single person or a single experience. It's about many different experiences. And that's why I divided it into, I believe, five sections because I was trying to portray in this book the development of my life and my feelings. So essentially you're reading my diary. <laughs> you're like, you're reading my fucking journal at this point. Um, so from the abyss, which is the first part of the book, to um, the mending, the abyss was a way for me to write about the doubt that I went through, humiliation in the sense of I was embarrassed to be myself and to have this sort of inner world that I, when I tried to explain, I wasn't successful in doing so because I felt like I was like, oh, no one's, no one's going to really get no one is going to get what I'm going to say, and I don't even th think people like, you know, 
fucking reading or writing shit like that like i i can't really give it like even now it's a little hard for me to like explain how i feel in words it's better for me to write it but i am trying my best i think that's why i started this podcast i'm like i need to talk more but um so the abyss was about that and then not being sure in myself and then you read the rest of the poems and they get progressively um, less morose and melancholic and they become lighthearted and they become gentle and nurturing. And I write a little bit about some romantic experiences, not some that, some that I experienced, which when I think back, they were so innocent and it's experiences that were told to me or that I observed just being out every day. And that's what I wrote about in like the next couple pay in, 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 in a section. And then um, it gets a little sad again because in this book I was experienced the, the whole reason for this book was to show the ups and downs that I had experienced. And then the mending which is the last section of the book um was when i felt sure in myself i felt confident i felt tender and loving and open and so the mending is the mending of every previous section and every previous experience described in the sections how they mended and how i mended and how i healed and moving onward the very last poem of the book is called last season and it's made the last bits of this season carry you as a whole to the next so i purposely left that as the last poem of from my heart to yours because i want to create a massive story in my literary works and in my music i love when songwriters or poets allude to a story like an initial introduction to a very long story but it's a beautiful story or a beautiful journey you know so I used that as the last poem because I was like the next book will pick up from where I left this era into a new era if that makes sense I have drafted my second book but I have rewritten it th two times and I've changed the title like four times. It has a set title, at least for right now. And I started rewriting it, but I'm rewriting it again because I didn't like how everything sounded in my like, what, second? That would have been my third attempt. So I'm working on another one, but I'm experiencing a lot of life right now. And the book, no. The muse says that I need to wait and just experience it a little more and then I will finish writing it. <laughs> but um, there you go with m From My Heart to Yours. That was brief, but there wasn't much to say because um, that was just a gentle introduction into what I can, the story that I was trying to tell, if that makes sense. The story that I will continue to tell but in a different manner than the first. Now on to the bonus, bonus content where I divulge some details about my EP, W-O-T-B, which stands for Warmth of the Bone. That concept I had come up with early, early 2022. And I, that was when I was writing, beginning to write my second book. And I um, wanted to, well, that was originally the title of my second book, but then I changed it, like, like I said, three other times. And Warmth of the Bone, someone's skating, Warmth of the Bone didn't leave my mind. It kept popping up throughout the days after having changed it. And usually when something like that happens with me, I know that that is something that needs to stay and it needs to be attached to something that I creatively produce. So 
I was like, warmth of the bone, warmth of the bone. I'm like, oh, that is not leaving my head. I'm going to keep it close to me. I'm going to have it written down in my notes or in my journal, and I'm just going to let it tell me when it wants to be used. So some time went on, a lot of time went on. And then around the summer of 2022, I had felt not confident enough, but I, well, yes, I felt confident enough and sure that I wanted to produce and make an EP, not me producing it. Like, you know what I mean? So I began writing the songs for the EP in, oh, when was it? So, um, okay, I remember. Um, it was July, August of 2022 where I had started writing the first song on the EP, which is On Your Knees, produced by DJ Symphony, whom I love, and that song was, if when you listen to it, you hear that it's a grainy sort of vocal, and it sounds like I'm on the phone, which was the whole point of the song. That song was a message that I were, so this is the story, right? The song is a conversation over the phone, but I am only on, I am calling, but no one, but the guy isn't picking up who's receiving what it, what essentially the song is like a voicemail. So he's not receiving it, but I'm giving it to him. Right. So the first verse and the second verse is what the guy is telling me. And then the both both choruses of the song, I am responding to this guy, right? And um, On Your Knees, the reason why I named it that was of this statue. I can't remember. No, not a statue, this sculpture. I don't remember who the sculptor was, but it's one of my favorite sculptures. And it's of this woman with her hands on this man's head and he's kneeling at her knees and he's holding her legs. And one, I um, loved that sculpture. And I, like I said, my muses are always different. That was one of the muses for the song. The muse was the guy I was writing about, obviously. But then I, um, I began to, I like when I would write, when I was writing that song, I had a photo of that sculpture pulled up so I can refer back to it, try and channel that as much as possible into the lyric writing and, um, into the songwriting. So, but anyways, um, there was a quote from Oscar Wilde where he said, love is a sacrament that should be taken kneeling. So that was ultimately like, oh fuck, like this song is being fucking written. (laughs) And so, yeah, those were the, that was the inspiration for, um, On Your Knees. And this EP begins with that song for a reason. This was lighthearted. That was playful. And it was the introduction to the realm of romance that I hadn't fully dived into because previously I wasn't ready and I was busy and the time wasn't right. But the time happened at that moment. And I was 19 when I wrote that song. And when the beginning of that journey began with this first guy, that's when On Your Knees came. And that's like when I described the song, this sort of um, sultry part of me came out. And I was like, okay, I need to put this somewhere. So I did. And it became the first track of my EP. So then I'm not going to list the EP in order in terms of the track list but in terms of like when I wrote it so the uh, the next song that I wrote after on your knees was I want to have you but the title was different and so were the lyrics so I wrote a lengthy verse for I want to have you but that felt too much and I was listening to oh my god how do I say it lo vas a olvidar which was a song on euphoria by Rosalia and Billie Eilish and I love that song because one 
the lyrics were beautiful, their voices are beautiful, and the production was minimal. And I loved how simple the production was because where the energy was being channeled and where it was being executed was from Billy and Rosalia and then the lyrics. That was what that is what makes that song even more haunting and emotional. So I was like I want to do something like that because the songs that I have done previously, way before this EP, have had production. They haven't been simple, and I want something simple. But I want something, but my, I want something, I want a simple track with a, with an effective vocal track as well. So I kept the production on that song minimal. I played guitar on it, and then I added a synth sound at the very end of the song. And when you listen to it, you'll hear of what I mean. My good friend Gavin helped me with that, and he made it sound delicious with Valhalla Room and some sexy reverb plugins. And I Want to Have You was the same guy in the summer, but um, uh, this... I had never written a song where I was clear on what I wanted, not just for myself, but what I wanted from this guy, right? And so then um, that song became me being honest with myself in how much I yearned to be adored and to nurture someone else and to be nurtured and to be wanted and that's why I end the song with I want to be adored because I wanted to be adored because I have I have adoration for so many people and it's unconditional at this point I know that that sounds like well okay but I mean that when I say that like I don't um adoration for people doesn't leave me no matter how many, how much time goes, if I'm not talking to them or I haven't talked to them in years, that adoration never leaves. But anyways, um, that's what I want to have you is about. And even its description is simple. But um, I wrote that around the same time of On Your Knees. So that was really nice. Um, and the reason why I repeated, the reason why there was a lot of repetition in that song was I was trying, I was making it clear to myself what I wanted and then for this guy to hear what I wanted. So it was dual, right? But moving on to the next song, Limbo, which became the voice of Warmth of the Bone. I originally was like, I think On Your Knees or I Want to Have You will be the voice of Warmth of the Bone, but it turned out it became Limbo. Limbo um, I wrote with my friend Gavin Valenzuela, who is under the alias of Vino, with two eyes that you should listen to. His music is out on Apple Music and Spotify, and his sister Ryan Valenzuela has some bangers out on both Apple Music and Spotify. And go follow them. They're fucking talented. <laughs> but anyways, so we had, I'd been going over to their home studio frequently around this time, and our good friend Chris, Chris, if you're listening to this, I fucking love you. Um, we were all in the home studio, and at that time, I was going through a lot. We were we wrote this song in um. <gasps> when did we write it? I think we wrote it in November of 2022, or um December 2022. I think it was written. No, fuck, it was written in the uh, November 2022 but we hadn't recorded it we were just working on the um the production for it but then I came we came back to it in December 2022 I remember I recorded it before going to Disneyland the night before <laughs> and <clears throat> we were all sat in the home studio or sitting in the home studio sorry and I was like okay what oh wait no fuck just pretend i didn't say that we wrote it in december but before we write a song when we're all together i we one catch up because sometimes i haven't seen them in fucking ages but then i'm like okay what is something we're all experiencing what are you experiencing gavin what are you experiencing ryan what about you chris and 
<clears throat> they shared what they were experiencing, and then I shared what I was experiencing, and I went, something is common amongst all of us, and it's uncertainty, and it's anxiety, and it's love, and it's <clears throat> non-reciprocal, and it's it's a different sort of melancholy. It's not melancholic like Edgar Allan Poe, like how I described earlier in this episode. It's this melancholy of being in your own company when you're not comfortable with being alone or your own or yourself. You know what I mean? So we all wrote about something or someone that was hurting us at that time or that we felt hurt over, right? So Limbo became, it became the name of that duality, right? Of trying to be here for yourself, but mentally you're still ruminating and you're still thinking about this situation or this person and you can't really ground yourself because your mind is so far away from your body. So that's why we chose limbo and a lot of our experience or our experiences felt like that. They felt we felt out of touch, we felt ungrounded and unsure and hurt, right? So that's what this t song title, that's why limbo is called limbo. And so we all wrote about our experiences, right? And right, well um we shared our experiences, and then Ryan wrote her verse for it, and then I bounced off of what Ryan was saying. So Ryan said everything she said, and then essentially I had to sum up my experience in like five lines. So Ryan introduced the song with her gorgeous ass voice and told the story, and I had to sum her story up, but then begin mine and sum mine up. And so I was like, how am I going to do that? I can say, I can declare that I have seen this, and then I can ask this and leave it open for interpretation, right? That makes sense. So I said, I've seen your soul. I've been inside. It's too deep to let go. Do you trust that I'm enough? Can you accept my love? So I bounced off of what Ryan was saying, and I was like, let's leave the listeners with their own experiences and their own thoughts and um I guess like I can't really say anything like oh spectacular about let's leave well okay no never mind let's leave the listener to wonder that's like the best way I can explain it I was like I want well we both were we were we all wanted this song to capture um moments where you've questioned um if the situation is the right situation to be in or if that person is the right person to be with or to try with to try again like second you know what i mean right so limbo became that limbo became that if that makes sense but Limbo is the end of that story. It's the end of that journey where, well, okay, like, it's the end of that journey because it was the last song written, but in terms of the track list, it's On Your Knees, Limbo, and I Want to Have You. I'm glad Limbo went between On Your Knees and then um, I Want to Have You because that's the perfect middle ground in terms of the story, right? So On Your Knees is playful, it's seductive, it's sultry, and then... um. Limbo became that, is this right? Am I in the right place at the right time? Am I ready for this? If I am, can I ask you these questions? Because I've seen this in you. And I want to know if you can accept this from me. If you can accept my love, right? And then I want to have you just became that yearning. So I want to have you is also dual. I want to have you could be seen as I lost you and I still want you or I have you. I could, I am close to having you. This is how much I want you. This is what I'm feeling. I've, I've yearned for people. I've wanted people. Let me be adored this time. 
let me feel your adoration, right? So that's the story. That's the story. And I never was able to, well, not that I was never able to, I just wanted to wait until the right time to describe why Warmth of the Bone was named that way and why the songs are the songs, why those songs were chosen. And then going back to the meaning of Warmth of the Bone, um, you know when somebody says, I can feel it, in, I can feel it in my bones, or I love you, so, like, I, I, when I tell people I have loved them, sometimes I'm like, I love you to the marrow, just, you love somebody so deeply, obviously, right, but I realized, like, you know, when you blush, the, the lining of your stomach turns red, apparently, watch, if that's a myth, I'm gonna be so fucking mad, but, (laughs) like, that's an example, or when you're, physically attracted to someone and the proximity between you and said person is really close you can feel their body heat and they can feel you and your hands are warm and your fucking face is warm and they their mouth is you know what I mean like kissing (laughs) um everything is warm everything is quiet it's a lull right and I was like well warmth of the bone what better way than to describe to describe lust desire or passion than warmth of the bone because these are deep rooted these are deep-seated emotions right i mean at least for me arousal too and affection to me they are to the marrow they start from the marrow and they go outward that is what i that was the purpose that was the reason why I named this EP Warmth of the Bone. So that felt very, very scattered. And the I'm so tired right now, but that's why I named Warmth of the Bone Warmth of the Bone. And the sister title to that that I would have included with the Warmth of the Bone was The Wrath of the Soul. Because I experienced both romance and then anger. Which is crazy, right? But anyways, thank you for listening to this episode. I, if it's scattered, that, that, I'm so sorry. I have, this episode took a lot out of me in terms of trying to record it. And then what I recorded on it was not fucking working and it was messing up and I was like it's gonna break my computer (laughs) I'm just kidding but thank you so much for listening I hope you enjoy this and literally feel free to talk to me about my projects because I love I love discussing them and I love talking about them because I hope it can inspire other people but then also I just hope I can give some sense in, um, you know, creativity and how it is subject to an individual and how your creative processes and inspirations and journeys are never linear and they are never the same. But anyways, enjoy this episode. Bye.